0: Welcome back Bible readers. This is the final podcast of 2021. We've made it all the way from January to December, which is a year, right? Obviously. What a year. Um, so this week you're going to finish out. I think you only have six days, five or six days of readings because of the short week because, um, uh, the first of the year starts on uh, Saturday, I believe. Um, and we'll talk about at the end of this podcast, we'll talk about the new plan for 2022. Um, so this is it. This is the end. And we've got a couple more passages. Last week we had some passages related to the birth of Christ and some of the prophecies related to uh, His coming and being born in Bethlehem, things like that. Um, this week we're going to kind of finish some of those more in in uh, in Luke chapter 2, Matthew chapter 2, and then we'll get it a little bit into John here. Um Hopefully you would have read the Christmas story on Luke chapter 2 as it was part of your reading, uh, chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. And so today we're going to start, pick up with verse 21 of Luke chapter 2 and go down through the end of, of the chapter and talk about uh, a little more about the birth of Christ. Um, now, one of the things uh, that, that you notice here, at least I did in uh, Luke chapter 2, um, is that after Jesus is born, you know Mary has to go through the ritual, the purification process uh, usually it was forty days. On the fortieth day, uh, a sin offering was made. Of course, in the offering that was made, uh, shows you that you know Mary and Joseph weren't wealthy; they didn't have a lot of money. Um, you know, although they had this task of bringing up Jesus, which is worth much more than any mo- anything money can offer. Um, and so she goes through the purification process here, and then we're introduced to, to another character here in the story, Simeon. And uh, it says in verse 25 of uh, chapter 2, it says, At that time there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. It says he was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. It says the Holy Spirit was upon him. Again, the Holy Spirit shows up in Luke. Last week we mentioned Luke chapter 1. I think pastor said six different times the Holy Spirit shows up. Well, here's another time the Holy Spirit shows up. Um, was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. It says, that day the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present baby Jesus to the Lord, as the law required, Simeon was there, and he took the child in his arms and he praised God, saying. And, and he quotes here um, his prayer. It's not necessarily a quote, but verse 32, it says, he is a light to reveal God to the nations. So here's a man, Simeon, and we mentioned this, I believe, in last podcast, Um, you know, there were people in the New Testament who who, who got it, who understood how the Old Testament was connected, understood, and were eagerly awaiting for a baby to be born who would be the Messiah. They got it. They got the message. I mean, you had a lot of people, obviously, that didn't understand the message, were looking for a coming king or a conquering king but there were people for example Simeon and even Anna is is here the other one is the other lady is one they got the message they understood um, that Jesus would be born as a baby in Bethlehem and here Simeon is privileged to be able to see the Messiah before he dies I mean think about that what if God made that promise to you and says before you die you will get a chance to see the Messiah yeah. that'd be awesome that'd be, that'd be an awesome experience that'd be awesome. Awesome experience. And and, uh, it says Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him, um, which I think is interesting too. I mean, with all that Mary and Joseph went through, they were still amazed at what was being said about Jesus. It says, Simeon blessed them. He said to Mary, the baby's mother, this child is destined, and I highlighted all this, destined to cause many in Israel to fall. But he will be a joy to many others. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. I mean, you talk about a future ministry of Jesus kind of wrapped into one verse here as to how others would look at him, how they would treat him, how they would oppose him, how some would accept him. Um, And as a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. Thought that was pretty powerful and then a sword yeah. will pierce to your very soul. So my trans What does your translation say with that verse?
1: It says in verse thirty-five, yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul. Also, that the thoughts of many, or the thoughts of many hearts, may be revealed. Yeah. So, so that's a a good way to translate it, and and what's so incredible about this entire story. When he understands the fall and the rise of many in Israel, the Holy Spirit had revealed this to him. Yeah. And thank God for the work and ministry of the Holy Spirit, who always points us to Jesus and magnifies Jesus. And that's a lesson we learn even further over in the Gospel of John. And it's true in a general sense that we really can't understand the Scripture without
0: the help Holy and the illumination of the Amen. Holy Spirit. Amen. You know, we talked a little bit about the spirit's role last week in um, you know in the birth of Jesus and, and how the Spirit was such a prominent part of even in the Isaiah passages, Isaiah 42 and 49 and 9 and 11, how the Spirit was such involved and he's we often don't give him the credit that he deserves, but you know Jesus, obviously God had the plan, Jesus, fulfilled the plan. The Holy Spirit empowered him yeah. to
1: fulfill the he had, plan. He unfolded the plan yeah. for us to understand it. And that's the great thing about, mm. and I like the word you use. It's a great biblical term, illumination. The yeah. Holy Spirit will open our eyes of understanding and the Holy Spirit is our our teacher. I, I think in John 14, the helper will come and he right. will teach you all things. And first John, he talks yeah. about this anointing the Holy Spirit Illuminates our mind. I, I love turns the light bulb oh, on. Turns yeah. the light bulb where you understand the words of of and Christ. and that's also
0: something important to pray for. Yes, when you begin reading the scriptures, saying, "Lord, I, you know, may the Holy Spirit exactly. illuminate my mind, yes. illuminate my thinking, so I can understand yes. what's going on." Ab- absolutely, because you on your own as you read through the scriptures, yeah, we might make some connections, some things, but the Holy Spirit is gonna open things up to us we've never and you've you've experienced it before you've been reading through a passage you've read through it a hundred times
1: eureka and this exactly
0: this one time you read through it it, and just something happens and you're like well the lord just told me that that was a supernatural thing there the lord just spoke to me in that situation
1: psalm psalm what is it 119 it's either verse 10 or verse 18 it's a long psalm (laughs) Open thou my eyes that I might behold wondrous things out of thy law. That's illumination, the Holy Spirit. And I pray that verse and quote that verse Mm -hmm. each morning when I read the Bible. I want God to open up not only sleepy eyes, but (laughs) my eyes of understanding, spiritual eyes. And that's a
0: good time because I find it a good time where your brain is active because it doesn't have to think about all the stuff that you got to get done for that day, and you can focus on with fresh energy on the Word of God. Amen. Um, well, then you also have Anna, who is also um, here. You got Simeon, and you've got Anna, uh, who was in the temple, and she was the daughter. It says uh, of Phanul uh, f- 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 from the tribe of Asher. She was, v- and she was very old. <laughs> Her husband died when she had been married only seven years. She lived as a widow to the age of 84. And I, my translation says she never left the temple, but stayed there day and night, yep. worshiping God with fasting and yep. prayer. And she came along just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph, and she began praising God too, talking about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue. Of course, rescue Jerusalem. You know, They were waiting for someone to come who would free them from their enslavement. You know, free them from their Roman domination as well. But here you have two. Here's an example: Simeon and Anna were both looking for, actively seeking for the Messiah, which I think is interesting because, you know, you go, you fast forward to, um, um uh, Matthew chapter two, and you have the wise men who are looking for the Messiah. The only people that weren't looking for the Messiah were the religious leaders, the ones who should have been looking for the Messiah. Yet they were not the ones who were looking for the Messiah at all, nor even close to that. (laughs) Um, But before we get there, we'll go ahead and finish through chapter (laughs) 2. I'm getting ahead of myself. (laughs) And, and you know, this little section in chapter 2 of Luke, verses uh, 41 down through verse 52, is kind of just... Reminding us that Jesus was was human, just like us. Absolutely, he was born into this world. He grew, uh, he matured, um, and about the age of twelve, it says um, they 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 lose him. <laughs> Did you see that in the text? Oh my! So parents don't feel bad if you're in a store somewhere. And, and you know, your child goes off in some some way, and you lose him for a little bit. Obviously, you're thankful that you, that you caught him. But, you know, I find it interesting here. It says they assumed he was with the group of people, I guess, that were traveling, like a big group of family members. And what does it say, for two days,
1: if I remember right? Yep, they went um, an entire day journey without <laughs> him. And then, oh, he's not with us. They went all the way home, and it took them an entire day to realize that they just assumed he was with them i mean the most important man in all of human history <laughs> and they accidentally forget him and no, we do the same I thing mean, yeah, we that's take true. him for granted yeah. don't we oh we do and, don't we uh, they supposing we him to have been in their company <laughs> yeah. and they went a days journey and sought him among yeah. their relatives and acquaintances they went back to the people who knew him best you know, to find out where he was. And you know, a lot the, of application there. Yeah, this would be a good sermon title, When Jesus Goes Missing yeah. or something <laughs> like that. Um,
0: <laughs> finally, they, they discover him. He's in the temple talking to the religious leaders. And what I find interesting is that he's already at the age of 12. It seems like he already understands that the Father, his Heavenly Father, has a plan, yeah. and he's got to focus on that plan you know obviously he's still under in the earthly house of Mary and Joseph right. yes. but he's more concerned about his father's yes. house he's more concerned about his father's plan so already the age of 12 he's already interacting with the religious leaders yes. i wonder if he's doing kind of maybe some reconnaissance or maybe some yeah. uh you know ahead of time some study yeah. into seeing what they really do understand yeah. well because uh, it, it says it yeah. says he
1: he was listening and he was asking questions. Yeah. So, yeah, he, he, he was definitely checking them out, don't you think? Yeah, I think for, <laughs> for sure.
0: So you, you, we could, I guess we could really say that at the age of 12, Jesus was really starting to focus right. on the plan. Yep. So how many people do you know, teenagers who know what they want to do, when they're 12 years old. Yeah, they may say they want to be this or this or that, but how many really know what they want to do and go and stick with it? Nobody. Right. But but obviously Jesus had a plan.
1: They're playing little league baseball. (laughs) want to be, you know, Hank Aaron or... (laughs) Hank Aaron, that's an oldie.
0: Yeah, they want to be some of the newer ones, but yeah.
1: I can't even remember any of the newer names.
0: <laughs> well, that's what happens when you get old. You yeah, I'm, that's true. I'm the same way, I'd have to go look them up. But it says that the last verse it says Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all the people. Again, it's just reminding us that Jesus was human. He had to grow. He had to go through a process here, part of the incarnation, <laughs> that Jesus being born as a man, taking upon flesh. He would have to go through all the things that we go through, all the temptations, all the struggles, all the heartaches all the situations and and issues. And I'm sure there are many more things that happened, you know, in the life of Jesus. He was young that we just don't have. Yeah,
1: because we have his virgin birth, and then we have those silence of 12 years. This is the first time we hear anything about him. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. um. (laughs) So
0: um, as we go to Matthew chapter 2, we go to the visit of the wise men. And uh, if your nativity is set up correctly at home... Then your wise men are not anywhere near uh, the baby in Bethlehem. They're not anywhere near Jesus being born in Bethlehem. They're about maybe six months to a year away. Um, as you read through the account of the wise men, you know they come to see Jesus. They come from a far off land. I think there's some connections back to the Book of Daniel um, to them being able to know exactly. Where to go. Those wise men from the east, many believe from Babylon or from Persia, is where they would have been. So, how would they have known, unless obviously a supernatural occurrence, an angel appeared to them? They also could have known from Daniel's prophecies, which they were familiar with. So, I think there's a connection. I don't think it's outlandish to think there's not a connection there. I think there is. and I don't know of anybody who's who's really traced that into some detail, but I think it's it's reasonable to consider that. And they're following a star, and they come to Herod, and of course Herod is is not is excited to hear about their visit, but is not excited about what they have to say. Right? You know, who is this king? And Herod's thinking, well, the king's being born. It's going to come, going to usurp me, so I got to get rid of him. And so he orders all the baby boys that are two years old and under. So that gives you a time frame. So at least Jesus would have been younger than two years old. So I say anywhere from six months to two years old is normally what I would say. We don't know exactly when, um, but we know that the star appeared at the birth, and so however long it would have took them when the star appeared to get there. So, But it, here, here it gives us a great time frame, so to speak, two years old and, and under
1: when the wise men would have come, um, to visit Jesus in in verse number two, uh-huh. does does your Bible say, "For we have seen his star yes. in the east, yeah, as it rose, and we have come to worship yeah. him"? But his star, and yeah. the other times it's found in verse seven and yeah. nine and ten and all the way down through, it's the star, yeah. You know. So it's kind yep. of a and play the star it, words.
0: It, it is. And of course, I think that's a, a my Bible has a cross reference to Numbers chapter twenty four. In verse seventeen, where it talks about the star and the scepter, uh, back in uh, in Numbers chapter twenty-four, Old Testament reference to that. But but here we have the wise men who um, um, are coming to worship Jesus, and yet um, the religious leaders who lived in Jerusalem lived six seven miles away, and they can't even make the journey to see Jesus in mm. Bethlehem. True. But yet the wise men make a six eight hundred mile journey, uh, mm. you know, through the desert to see this king who has been born. And we all characterize the wise men, three gifts, which means three wise men. Not necessarily true. There could have been two. There could have been five. There could have been ten. Who knows? We don't know. We just know there were more than one. There was wise men, plural, and they brought these three gifts. Gifts that um, are fit for a king and gifts, I guess, that would be useful. Gold would come in handy, right? Everybody needs gold, right?
1: Absolutely. (laughs) Yes. Frankincense,
0: a spice, myrrh. Um, representative of the fact that one day he'd have to die, but it was also a valuable
1: uh, spice at that time. Very valuable commodity, and so these are gifts fit for a king. And it's amazing these these wise men were in the minority, and by way they of were, application, yeah. the fear of the Lord. If you mm. uh, have the wisdom of God, you're you're always going to be in the minority, and but they were they were seeking his star, and I, I love this where they bring their gifts. And it's a form of worship. Mm -hmm. Exactly. That's a good. We we don't pass the offering plate anymore because of COVID and put it in the box. For years, giving has always been such a huge part of of worship. And so we need to discover some new ways how to do that as we give our tithes and offerings to the Lord. Even our Christmas offering this year. You know, it's a form of of worship, you know. Oh, I want it to be for God.
0: And some people have said about that that, you know, because, you know, with technology and digital things, you know, they can just schedule it to be taken out of their bank account, things like that. And some people have said that, you know, I like to actually, you know, write out a check right? because it's my form of worship thinking that, hey, I'm writing this out to the church. This is my tithe and offering. And it's their small, you know, 10, 15 second worship time where they're saying, this is my offering and I'm physically giving it. And so some people like to do that. Um, And again, we're not saying that having it scheduled to come out of your account is not a good thing either. In fact, sometimes it's better because that way you yeah. don't use that money for Absolutely. something else or right. use the funds for sure. something else. You're making sure it's the first thing that comes out, which is part of it. So whatever works for you, but I do agree with what you're saying. Um, you know, Giving was part of it, um, uh, worship, and it, and it still is, even with these gifts that were brought. Of course, I think of these gifts more as gifts that people give at Christmas time, and I know that some people right. will say, hey, right. the wise men brought three gifts, so you get three gifts at Christmas time as a way of trying to connect those those two things. Although they didn't really come at Christmas time, they came, you know, a couple of years later. Maybe they came on his first birthday. Maybe that was his birthday gift. His first birthday gifts. We don't know for sure, but we know a little bit of uh, of a time frame here. Now, obviously, the the um, um, because of what happens and uh, the angel appears to Joseph in a dream and, and says, you know, get out of town because you know, Jesus is going to be killed or could be killed or has potential to be right. killed. So he goes to Egypt know, kind of waits things out until he finally gets word that um, it's okay to go back. And then he doesn't go back to the area. He goes back to a different area, um, an area of Galilee, uh, into a town called Nazareth. And uh, that is where uh, he would be called a Nazarene. And that's a direct prophecy that's related back yep. to Isaiah 11, yeah. I think eleven verse one or yeah, nine.
1: Hosea eleven one Hosea. also talks about. uh our out of Egypt. I called my son and and even through the book of Isaiah, uh, Christ is the servant, or Isaiah is the servant of the Lord. And whatever Isaiah could not do, Messiah was the servant of the Lord, called out of Egypt. And so, uh,
0: and I know it's specific. And I, I thought, it, yeah, it's Isaiah nine. It says. Yeah. Nevertheless, it says a time of darkness, uh, despair will not go on forever. In the land of Zebulun and Naphtali, he will be humbled. But there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, hmm. and that's the reference there, um, which the road which uh, runs between the Jordan and the sea will be filled with glory because that's where Jesus obviously yeah, would be that, going to sure. here. in, in the-
1: You asked me a minute ago about the stars, and uh, Oh, in your Bible, pro- <laughs> the yeah. prophetic "Out of Egypt, I've called my son." Yeah, and from Hosea. Yeah. Yep, exactly. And those are nice little little markers that that help us interpret the passage. <laughs>
0: um, so after coming back, now we can call him a Nazarene, and and that's why Jesus of Nazareth. That's why we call it. Um, um you know. There's some things that, that are part of being a Nazarene and Nazarite vow. Things we won't get into, but just just to know that this is where he was supposed to be from. And, and Nazareth was not a big town. Right, I think some right. people have estimates of five or six hundred people. Uh, not much at all um, as far as uh, as far as population. But then we go to um, continue on in Matthew and we talk about John the Baptist and how John the Baptist prepares the way. So you know, obviously, there's some time here in between. You know, probably thirty years of time here in between the end of chapter two and the beginning of chapter three with John the Baptist and with his ministry and his job was to prepare the way to show others that this is the one who is going to save the world from their sins. Um, So it was kind of quiet, you know, other than like we talked in Luke chapter two with with twelve years, you know, issue in the temple. It was kind of quiet. (laughs) I wonder if Mary and Joseph thought. You know, is Jesus supposed to, I mean, what's going to happen here? When is it going to start or, or, you know, when is it going to happen? I'm sure they had questions about that, and they just um, were not sure. But John the Baptist, and we'll talk about the John passage here in a minute, but John the Baptist here, he was, we call him the forerunner, and he was endlessly trying to convince everyone that Jesus was the Messiah. That was his job, to go before and appoint others to the Messiah. And, And he also baptized the Messiah. Which was significant yeah. because that was a sign. You baptize the one
1: him to the one. John the Baptist is a, a very unusual character mm. in the scripture. Yeah. He he would be similar to the last prophet of the old testament as a bridge coming into the New Testament. Right. And one of the great things we need to learn and you and I teach in hermeneutics mm-hmm. is John the Baptist Luke 16:16 16, 16, you need to memorize this verse the law and the prophets were until John yeah. since that time the kingdom of God has been preached and everyone was pressing into it mm-hmm. of course Israel rejected the kingdom right and so we have the church age yeah. and so it's it's good to know these these markers. Because, John the Baptist is a pivotal person, isn't he?
0: <laughs> yes, mm-hmm. because you've got the two prophets like, like Tim has said. You know, the last one in the Old Testament, which was Malachi, and the next time that God speaks to a prophet is John the Baptist. Years and that's why we call it 400 years of silence because after Malachi, there wasn't any word from God. For 400 years, it was quiet until John the Baptist opened his mouth and began to prophesy about the coming king. So 400 years. So from the Old to the new uh, yes. prophets yes. as well and so um, he's an important part and then if you didn't know what hermeneutics means by the way he used the big word it's just herman the, who? yeah herman <laughs> who it's the art and science of interpretation that's what it means so if you're thinking scratching your head what did he just say herman herman who who's he talking about that's just the fancy word um the the three dollar word you might say five dollar word i don't know what we call it nowadays um but also in john in the book of John, you've got reference to John the Baptist, and it's specifically Absolutely. in John chapter one, yes. verse six. It says, "John, or excuse me, God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light, so that everyone might believe because of his testimony." And it says very specifically, John himself was not the light; he was simply a witness to tell about the light. Yes, so his job. Um, was to tell about Jesus. His job was to point others to Jesus, just like our job today is to point others to Jesus. We are to be a light for others, just like Israel was to be a light to the nations. Of course, they didn't do so well with that. Jesus was the ultimate light to the whole world. You know, John was trying to show other people around him that this is the light, this is the Messiah. You know, us in the same way today, we are to point others to Jesus. We have to be that light, just like Christ says in Matthew chapter 5. Don't um, put your light under a bushel and hide it from men. Let your light shine so the whole world sees you. And not that they see you, but they glorify your Father, which is in heaven. Yes. Not you. Because it's not about us, it's about Jesus, it's about God, it's about. It's about life eternal. And so, you know, you think of John the Baptist, and I think of him being the forerunner, uh, but this section in John chapter 1 is really strong because it talks about how he was not the light, very specific, but he's come to tell other people about the light, just like we are today. We are to do the same thing today. And as it goes further on, it says in verse 19, this was John's testimony when the Jewish... Um, leader sent priests in the temple assistance from Jerusalem to ask John, who are you? And he says, he came right out and said, I am not the Messiah. <laughs> I like the way my NLT says it. <laughs> well, who are you, they say. "Are you Elijah? No. Are you one of the prophets we expected? No. Um, John replied with the words, you know, and the Pharisees who had been sent asked him, if you weren't the Messiah or Elijah, verse 25, or prophet, what right do you have to baptize? Then John says, I don't baptize a well but here, right in the crowd, someone you do not recognize. Though his ministry follows mine, I'm not even unworthy to be a slave and untie the straps of his sandal. So he's saying someone here in this crowd is the one that I'm talking about. And he's the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Um, Of course, we know later on in John's life, he has some doubts. Because
1: even the forerunner didn't know the entire plan. No, he didn't. He's an unusual man, just a very unusual character in the scripture. <laughs> he was a, he was uh a cousin to Jesus, wasn't he? Yep. He was Jesus' cousin. 6 months older than Jesus. Yeah, yeah. They were they were first cousins. Yeah. I feel like but yet they were brothers. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like John the Baptist was saying lots of things that Jesus probably wished he could say, mm-hmm. but he wasn't able to say because, yes. obviously, he's the Messiah. He has to be gentle. He has to be kind. He has to be loving. But John didn't really have any filter. Yeah. He was just kind of just blah and just said it how he
1: said it. Yeah, his to. his <laughs> ministry was out in the wilderness. And yeah, it was. The Scripture says all those in Jerusalem and Judea, they all went out to yeah. John yeah. to be baptized of him. And, yeah. and some say that he was a member of the Essenes, and yeah. I, I'm not— totally convinced on that, but I know that he was definitely a separatist. He's yeah. uh, a very unusual man, but yet he had a great, great ministry. Well,
0: and you ever wonder why that he was out in the wilderness and why he didn't
1: have his ministry in Jerusalem? You ever wonder why? I, I've wondered that and I don't have a real answer Well, for that's it. That's when they say that he was a member of the Essenes oh. who withdrew from society. I just—I've always <laughs> thought that maybe it was for, and it may have been for the Essenes,
0: but maybe because Jesus had his ministry in the Jerusalem area, yes. and John didn't want to yeah. get in the way of it, sure. and so he kind of had his ministry outside in the wilderness. Yes. I don't know if that's true. Yeah. That's kind of the couple, way I think it about really
1: it. Really makes sense.
0: But both of these fellows kind of had their ministries, but yet when Jesus started his ministry, John the Baptist kind of went mm-hmm. off the scene. Yeah. He kind of, he kind of, he was done. Um, but the most important part to me of John the Baptist of of the baptism here is in verse 32 of chapter one of John where it says, then John testified, I saw the Holy spirit descending like a dove from heaven and resting upon him. I didn't know he was the one, but when God sent me to baptize with water, he told me the one on whom you see the spirit descend and rest is the one who will baptize uh, with the Holy spirit. And I saw this happen. So I testify that he is the chosen one of God. So only after the Holy Spirit descended on Jesus. Did John really know who is the one? So, you know, you think about if you were living during that day, would you have known that Jesus was the Messiah or the promised one? If you came in contact with him on the street somewhere, say maybe he was in his early 20s, would you have known? Would you walk by him and said, oh, he's going to be the Messiah, like you could feel the presence or anything? It doesn't well, his seem brothers
1: like... didn't believe him, so... <laughs> that's the truth. that's his, the truth. His mother knew something that was special about yeah, him.
0: Yeah, and, uh, and his father, I'm yeah. sure too. But yeah, you're right. His brothers, I think that's in John seven where they yeah. said, "Come on, it's time for you to be the Messiah." Now, <laughs> after a while, they, um, I think they got it, but early on, they didn't. Right. So even John here, who is supposed to be the one, uh, still had his doubts. Still had his doubts. Um, anything else from this passage in John? We've got to kind of wrap things up yep, a little bit here this
1: is just a great great passage i love the gospel of john and mm, uh, it's yeah. so different than the other four gospels it's the only one that gives us the genesis account creation in chapter one yeah it's so different yeah. chapter two tells us about the wedding and the other gospels doesn't tell us about the wedding of canaan and galilee and it's different and you know john goes back even before you know how
0: Luke talks about the birth of Christ, and Matthew talks a little bit about it, but he talks more about nothing about a birth, is it? uh, But here, John's talking about way before (laughs) goes creation, yeah, yeah. way back before anything was ever done. In the beginning was the Word, already existed, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Well, listen, as you finish out the reading for this week, um, you'll read a little bit of those passages in John. John one is a great passage. Um, a lot of good doctrinal things in there about Jesus, about him, um, about him being the son of God, because that's kind of what John's focus is in the Gospel of John, seven signs to show that or demonstrate that Jesus is the Messiah. He is the son of God. So as you read through John at, you know for your reading, as well as if you read it for other times, just know that he picked out seven signs yeah. that he thought were yes. most important yes. to prove that Jesus um, was who he said he was. He was the now, son of God. That's right. So that's all that we have for 2021. Now coming up for 2022, let me just tell you what you're going to have for this year's reading. This year, and you'll read it in the Connect magazine for January, which will actually should be coming out pretty soon here at the end of December. Uh, the new Bible reading plan is is going to have three different tracks to it. Okay, so three different tracks, which just means that you get to choose um, which one that you want to go for. Just like you go to a restaurant and they have all these wonderful selections and the menu describes all these wonderful foods and you're like, how can I choose? Well, that's the way it's gonna be this year. You're gonna have three choices. You can choose the New Testament and Psalms track. You can choose just the Old Testament or you can do them both, the New and Old Testament track and you can read through the entire Bible. It's really simple, and it's all outlined in the Connect magazine. You can read the article that I wrote that's in there. It describes it out in in some detail. And I did, in some way, I tried to loosely organize both the new and the old in a chronological fashion. It's not uh, strict, but it at least gives you a sense as you're reading through, whether you're doing the Old Testament track or the New Testament track, it gives you a sense of kind of the chronological framework uh, really stays with the story of the scripture, um, and I tried to put it in in some kind of framework a little bit more in a chronological fashion. So hopefully you'll enjoy that. And by the way, if you read through both tracks, you're going to read through the entirety of the of the Bible in the full year. And some people like being able to read an Old Testament and a New Testament passage all in one day. So if you read the whole track, the track number three, which includes everything, you'll get a chance to uh, get an Old Testament reference and get a New Testament reference. Now, the one thing that is um, common to the whole plan is that on every Sunday, you'll read from the Psalms. So that's characteristic of the entire plan, whether you read New Testament, Old Testament plan, or you read both of them together, track three. Every Sunday, you'll read through the Psalms. So from January, the first Sunday in January, I think is the second maybe, or the third, you'll read and start with Psalm 1, 2, and 3, that's I think. The second, yeah, the second, and then you'll do that every every Sunday. So every Sunday you'll be reading a psalm, and you'll finish all the psalms without the course of time. So that's the plan. It's kind of the way it's detailed. You're going to have more time to, obviously, when the article comes out in the Connect magazine, you can read uh, about it and have all the details there, and we'll have everything online like we always have. And again, as Pastor mentioned last week in the podcast, we're not necessarily going to have videos every week that are going to go along with your reading, I will do some writing in the connect magazine to kind of give you a sense of where you're at um, as far as your bible reading on a monthly basis and then we may have some special video you know devotionals three four five minutes at certain times during the course of the year like say leading up to christmas i'm scared yeah leading up to christmas or leading up to easter or special event time so you can look for those on the facebook page on the lmbc.org slash rooted all the different places now as always you have any questions, you can send them to Bible Reading at lmbc.org. And one last thing, if you finish 2021's Bible reading in January, we'll have some Bible gifts available Whoa, for you Amen. for completing the reading. Awesome. And we didn't get a chance to punch the cards this year. We've kind of done away with that with, with sense of COVID, but I'm going to bring that back. I'm going to try to bring that back in 2022, where you're getting your punch card and you're getting it punched every month that you finished your reading. So there's a good selection of Bible gifts that are available. So just come back to the welcome desk in the back of the, uh, of the main church beginning the first couple of weeks in January, and we'll have some Bible gifts available for you to pick through for reading through 2021. Awesome. All of 2021's videos will also be archived on the Rooted page, um, and the Bible reading plan for 2021 will also be archived as a PDF, so you can download that. I'm working on getting 2020... And the reading plans we've done in the other years, without videos available on the website as well. So look for that. So that's all for 2021. Do you have any New Year advice you want to give the
1: people out there? Maybe a New Year's resolution that they will. Hey man, just come and well pick with? up your gift. That's yeah. you read the Bible through, and I'm excited about you coming back to the hole puncher. Oh yeah, you yeah. like that? I love it because that tells me when they come. Brother Tim, punch my little card here. Yeah. Help me. Hey, you know they're reading their Bible. And yeah, it's it's yeah. exciting to see people read the Bible. Accountability just, just for do that it. too. Yeah, yeah. Just do it every day. Just like you take a bath, you brush your teeth, you eat. You know, just do the the Bible disciplines every day, and it'll be a blessing to you. Lord. It will. It definitely yeah. will.
0: All right. Well, that's all we have for twenty twenty one. I'll see you sometime in twenty twenty two.